Hey, good morning. It's Patricia Murphy. It's Wednesday. This is Seattle Now. A wave of layoffs hit the tech sector in Seattle and around the country this fall, and industry execs say there's more to come. Losing your job can be devastating, and for some workers, it threatens their ability to stay in the U.S. In a minute, attorney Tamina Watson of Watson Immigration Law will help us understand what visa holders are facing with the recent job cuts. But first, let's get you caught up. Respiratory viruses continue to surge in Washington state. The Department of Health says the flu, RSV, and COVID are converging and straining hospitals. State Secretary of Health Dr. Umer Shah says you don't have to cancel holiday plans. Instead, he suggests hand washing and masking in public indoor spaces and being vaccinated against flu and COVID. While it appears that RSV cases may be coming down, flu cases in the state continue to rise and COVID-19 cases and hospitalizations are also ticking up again. The Washington State Supreme Court is getting ready to rule on a fraud case against Bellevue-based thrift store chain Value Village. Attorney General Bob Ferguson's office has been pursuing a case against the chain for five years, claiming the company uses deceptive marketing practices to oversell how much it donates to charity. A lower court ruled against Value Village in 2019, but that ruling was later repealed and overturned. And Seattle's getting some more representation on one of drag's largest stages. Seattle's own Irene the Alien Dubois has been cast in season 15 of RuPaul's Drag Race. She's known around here for hosting Mothership at Queer Bar with her drag sister Bosco, a finalist on the last season of Drag Race. Good luck, Irene, and make Seattle proud. While towers in South Lake Union sat empty during the pandemic, tech workers churned out their products from home with a sense of job security. Hiring surged as companies competed for top talent. Now there have been some tremors, with layoffs hitting some of the area's most visible employers. Job cuts are tough for everyone, but for tech employees on a visa, it can mean leaving the country. Attorney Tamina Watson says for any one individual who is laid off, there are others who it directly affects as well. Those individuals will have spouses and children, and at a very minimum, if we take two children and one spouse, that's three people. So that's four people without status. The other thing people need to understand is spouses and children are dependent on the principal's visa. So the moment the job has gone, Everybody in the family's visa status is now in question. Attorney Tamita Watson is founder of Watson Immigration Law. She's here to discuss the impact of these job cuts on visa holders. Tamina, thanks so much for taking the time. Thank you so much for having me, Patricia. So reports of these layoffs are still relatively new, and we've seen the first round in the Seattle area, which amounts to about 18,000 job losses in two months, according to the Seattle Times. Among those losses are people on work visas. Like we mentioned, your firm specializes in immigration law. So what are you hearing right now? There, there is a lot of job loss among visa holders. And I think what your listeners need to understand is if somebody here is on a visa, they are sponsored by an employer. And the moment they are let go, their sponsorship has gone and their stay in the United States is now in jeopardy. This sounds absolutely terrifying for a family. Job loss is a world rocking experience for anybody, but there is an extra level of anxiety here. What kinds of visas are most commonly 
issue to tech workers. Let's break this down a little bit for our listeners. Yes. Well, first of all, people should know that there is an alphabet soup of visas out there. There are a number of them. But the two most important ones in this context are the H-1B visa and the L-1 visa. There are other visas that are impacting people, but let's just take those two as an example. And so that people can wrap their heads around what these visas are, the H-1B visa is a skilled professional visa, meaning that you must have a degree to do a particular job and you must be in that job. So I, as a lawyer, cannot be getting an H-1B for a, a medical position, for example. The L visa is for people who are transferring from one branch of a company in another country and coming to the United States to do that job as a manager or an executive or somebody who has special knowledge. What have you heard from people who are working under these visas about what they're going through right now following a job loss? First of all, there's anxiety and fear and sometimes even paralysis of of what they are going to be doing because suddenly the world has sort of caved over their lives about what they are going to be doing. You know, somebody doesn't come to the United States just for, you know, a short-term work position. They uproot their lives to, to make better lives for themselves, but also to contribute to the economy that they live in. And most people aspire to be in America. So suddenly, their world is up in the air. So that's the kind of emotions people are dealing with. In my mind, I'd say there are different criteria of people. So the H-1B visa uh, is generally for six years uh, in total. You can be in the US for more than six years if your employer has filed a green card for you. Now you can be in this line to get a green card for decades. But once you are in that so-called line, you have a sense of security. You buy that house, you buy that car, you know, your kids are going to school. You have this sense that you are now American, except you're waiting for a green card. And all of those things have now come crashing down. You know, the rules are very complicated around this, Tamina, but in reality, people have 60 days to find a new job, and that is a very short timeline. From your position as an immigration attorney, what avenues are available to visa holders to find a job and remain in the country? You know, that's a question that everybody is asking, you know, clients when they speak to me. And my first thing to ask them is to really say, can you explore other options within your company? You know, H-1B visas, typically all the people that we are sort of referring to would be working full time, but H-1B visas can be part time. So maybe consider uh, chatting with your HR or employers about possible uh, part time visa or whether there's another position within the company. Or if you have to be laid off, is there any vacation time that you can add at the back? How can you prolong your time to get that very last paycheck so that your 60 days is prolonged as well? So those are the first things that I would say people need to explore. We are talking about skilled workers here, and I'm wondering if it's possible that a skilled worker takes a job, an unskilled job, simply to keep their place in the country right now. Is that possible? 
That's a really good question. So the answer is no, because when you are getting a work visa, it's very much square peg, square hole. You have to have a job that requires a degree at least in the H-1B context, and the employer has a job that requires that degree. It's generally referred to as specialty occupation, and the H-1B visa, you must get an H-1B visa eligible position. You know, we're talking about people who are being laid off, but in reality, what is this doing to people who are still employed under these visas who may be worried about their future? I mean, at this point, everybody is in a sort of a tense, anxious situation. You know, I've had calls from people who said that, you know, I think I'm going to be laid off. It hasn't happened yet. But that sense of insecurity immediately turns their lives, you know, uh, upside down. Those There are those people who have been notified that they are going to be laid off. So they are within those, you know, whatever period the employer has given them. And there are those who have already been laid off. They have had that pink slip. And each of these people will have different considerations. But all of them are really looking for new jobs. And that's where it becomes even more difficult. Yeah, yeah. Can you share an example of an individual who is seeking advice? Yes, I mean, there are different types. There is somebody who had started an H-1B position in October. Um, and, and just so your listeners understand, there is an annual quota for H-1Bs. You apply once a year and those visas start in the fiscal year, beginning of the fiscal year, October 1. So one person had started his H-1B on October 1st this year. He had barely been in the job for about, you know, he had probably got two paychecks maybe. And then he was laid off. And so now he's looking for jobs. And what I said to him was, you know, the glass is half full in the sense that at least you have two paychecks that allows you to get to company B. But had he not started the position and was laid off before, he would not have the benefit of transferring from one company to another. When somebody is on an H-1B already, they can move from company A to B to C as long as they have an employer filing their application for them. And who are you seeing being laid off in this group? Are we talking about veteran employees, new hires? Is there any method to what you're seeing out there right now? No, everybody is up for game, you know, at this situation, as this situation unfolds, whether you have just started working out of school or you've been working for decades, everybody is affected. You know, one of the ways these tech layoffs have been spun is that this is an opportunity for smaller startups to grab talent that was previously employed at larger companies. Is that also a possibility for people? Is there an opportunity in here? I think, in general, whenever there's adversity, there can be opportunities there. You know, startups often are limited by resources. And to get in the lottery that I mentioned can take, you know, several rounds before you have secured that employee that you're looking for. So now there is a talent pool that can be hired without being in the lottery. And so, yes, I think there's an opportunity there. I also think there's an opportunity for those people who are laid off to start their own companies. You know, this very situation, not at this scale, but, but this situation of layoffs happened in 2008 and nine, And that's what made me argue and advocate for a startup visa, a visa for people uh, to start companies in the United States. We already talked a little bit about this earlier. 
there are more layoffs to come. How are you advising people who are visa holders to prepare for something that may happen in the future? Well, I think people need to be mentally prepared and figure out what their, you know, uh, option one, two, three will be. But if they anticipate that they will be laid off, I think you've got to start looking for jobs right now. Now, there are some efforts, you know, I have not met these people quite yet, but there are efforts um, through, you know, in, in Silicon Valley, I hear, to, to gather people together and connect them. And I am very lucky and grateful to say that some of my employer clients have stepped up and said, I will hire. But I think there's an opportunity in Seattle for all of us to get together and really make a matchmaking happen. How can we have a community effort and Washingtonians, Seattleites, we have always been creative and innovative. Tamita Watson, really appreciate this conversation. Thank you so much. Thank you so much for having me. That was attorney Tamita Watson with Watson Immigration Law. Thanks for listening to Seattle Now. Jenny Cecil Moore produced today's episode. The show is also produced by Claire McGrain, Vaughn Jones, Caroline Chamberlain Gomez, and Brandy Fullwood. Matt Jorgensen does our theme music. Seattle Now and KUOW Public Radio are members of the NPR Network. It's an independent coalition of public media podcasters. You can find more shows in the network wherever you get your podcasts. I'm Patricia Murphy. See you tomorrow. 